Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book One, The Pirate's Plunder by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter 7, Hector's Discovery. The next morning, Widow Hanlon had served up a feast, as usual, and the children wolfed down buttery scrambled eggs, juicy sausages and crisp bacon as if it was their first meal in months. Widow Hanlon, that was delumptious, declared Zelly, giving their old cook a big hug. Ah, go on with yous, Widow Hanlon replied gruffly, but with a twinkle in her eye. We're going to row across to the port today, Sam announced. Right you are, then, replied Widow Hanlon, but watch yourselves in that wee boat. We will, everyone chorused, and they traipsed out to find the lucky star waiting for them on the beach. They heaved her into the water and set off. Now, sleuths, the first thing we need to do when we get to Redport is to gather as much new information as we can, declared Sam. It'll be very helpful having extra rowers. All hands on deck! And the children rowed for all they were worth. They soon reached the port, tied the lucky star up and jumped out. I'll send Anna back to Sandopolis to see if there's anything to report, said Zelly. Anna blinked her beady eyes, ruffled her feathers and flew off. Let's go and find the golden ram, suggested Milo. It's over there, said sharp-eyed Sophie. They marched up the gangplank and were just about to head for Captain Jet's cabin when they heard a psst from what looked like a pile of crates. The sleuth stopped. Psst! There it was again. Cautiously, Zav crept forward and disappeared round the back of the crates. Then he popped his head round, grinning from ear to ear. Come and see who it is, he said, beckoning the others to join him. The mysterious signaller was their friend Hector, the cabin boy. Hector put his finger to his lips and beckoned them inside. There was a sort of space in the middle of the rigging and the crates which he had hollowed out and it made a perfect hiding place. Big news, Hector said. I've been keeping an eye out for anything unusual, like you asked, and something is definitely up. The sleuth leaned closer, eager for Hector to continue. Yesterday, after we dropped you off, we went to collect some sugarcane from Emerald Isle to trade on our next voyage. On our way back to Red Port to dock for the night, we saw a ship in the distance flying a black cross. The Black Vulture, gasped Milo. Pirates, breathed Zelly. The Black Cross Gang, added Zav. Yes, confirmed Hector. We only saw it briefly, as it was dusk. I immediately trained my spyglass on it to watch. But the strange thing is, the ship just seemed to disappear. Impossible, remarked Sam. Boats can't just disappear. Exactly, agreed Hector. That's why it's suspicious. A ship cannot simply disappear, so there must be a hiding place. And we sleuths shall be the ones to find it, crowed Zav. Be careful, warned Hector. Those pirates are always up to no good. No decent sailor will have anything to do with them. I also heard that the pirates have formed their own house, Sophie said quietly. Like the house of Sinclair or Richmondo. But theirs is called the House of Vendetta. Vendetta? asked Zelly. A vendetta's a blood feud, Sam explained. It means revenge and a vow never to make peace. So by calling themselves the House of Vendetta, it's like declaring war on everyone, 
said Zav. Exactly, replied Sam. Suddenly, cries from the sailors went up from outside. All aboard! And Hector jumped. I have to go, he said. Good luck! And he scrambled away. What a discovery, said Zav, as the children hurried down the gangway and back on shore. A disappearing pirate ship, mused Sam. There must be an explanation. Look, there's old Pete, cried Milo, pointing towards a gnarled old fisherman, his back bent almost double, tending to his fishing nets further down the dock. He was a gentle soul and had the far-seeing eyes and weather-beaten skin of an old sailor. Oh, good. We can ask him about exploring that creek you mentioned, said Zelly. Ahoy there! Old Pete had caught sight of the children ambling towards him and his leathery face had lit up with delight. Ahoy! We want to explore the old smuggler's route, Pete, said Sam. The one you told us about. Oh, yes, the creek, replied old Pete, rubbing his white-bearded chin thoughtfully. Shallow she is and choked by mangroves round the cliffs. But if you head down it on that there boat of yours, you should be able to moor her and climb the cliff at the end. That'll give you a view all around. But remember he added warningly. You must set off at low tide, as I said. Nine o'clock tomorrow morning, that'll be. But you'll only have two hours, mind. But why will we only have two hours? asked Zelly. What if we want to stay for a picnic or something? Because, young lady, when those tides start coming in, the current's very strong, strong enough to pull you out to sea before you can say, shiver me timbers, replied Pete, fixing her with his gaze to make sure she understood. Two hours. OK, we'll go at low tide, agreed Sophie. No fooling with Mother Ocean, old Pete continued as if she hadn't spoken, wagging a bent old finger. There's many a poor soul perished down that way in the old times because they didn't heed the tides. A cruel mistress to see, relentless. And he gazed out at the blue water, which at that moment was as calm and flat as a lake. The children glanced at each other, stifling their giggles at his rather melodramatic speech. Can you remember much about the old times, Pete? Zelly asked. I don't like to remember, replied old Pete bluntly. They were terrible times, not to be spoken of. Now, you go and enjoy yourselves, and remember the tides. We will, the children chorused, and headed into town. Ooh, let's get crab and shrimp, suggested Zav. I'm hungry. Me too agreed Sam. Let's go to Molly's. And so they did. When they entered Molly's tavern, a cheerful voice interrupted them. Hello, young'uns. It must be holidays. What can I get for you? A round-faced, red-cheeked lady with streaks of grey in her ebony hair had approached the table. A checked apron stretched over her ample bosom. Hi, Molly, the children replied, smiling cheerily at her. They were all very fond of her. They'd been coming to Molly's ever since they were babies. Well, we'd love the seafood special, replied Zelly, but we'd also love to hear the song too. Please, she added, smiling engagingly at the landlady. Molly chuckled and shook her head. Oh, go on then, she said. I never can resist reliving the old times with a little Irish ditty in tribute to Dublin's fair city. But mind you, join in for the chorus. And with that, she broke into song. In Dublin's fair city, where the girls are so pretty, I first set my eyes on sweet Molly Malone. As she wheeled her wheelbarrow, 
through streets broad and narrow, singing cockles and mussels, alive, alive, oh, alive, alive, oh, alive, alive, oh, singing cockles and mussels, alive, alive, oh. The children and the whole pub joined in for the chorus, which had to be repeated several times before anyone was tired of it. Molly smiled, a little sadly, the children thought, and wiped a tear from the corner of her eye. Remembering the old times makes everyone so sad, remarked Milo thoughtfully. Widow Hanlon, old Pete and Molly. Whatever happened to make them flee to Sandlandia must have been terrible. Yeah, agreed Zav, leaning in. But we still know hardly anything about what actually happened. Or why those pages were ripped out, added Milo quietly. Well, said Sam practically, we know there was a war and that everyone fled from the old countries to Frenchtown in the north on boats. But then something happened to make our families and lots of other people come here. And that something turned out to be someone, added Zelly. Prince Percival, Sam and Sophie whispered, glancing over their shoulders to make sure they couldn't be heard. Exactly, confirmed Zelly. I think Princess Richenda and Clarence are right to be worried about Prince Igor, if he's Prince Percival's son, added Sophie. After all, the book said that Prince Igor's following in his father's footsteps. The sluice looked seriously at each other. I just wish we had more information, said Zav. It's so frustrating having to piece together little clues about the old times. Well, there's not much more we can find out about them until someone decides we're old enough to know, said Sophie sensibly. But we can try and get some different information, she added, a cunning glint in her eye. We might not be able to safely spy on the pirates, but I know someone else who can. Zelly caught her eye and smiled knowingly. The boys looked puzzled until Sophie gave a whistle. <whistles> and an emerald green bullet zoomed in from the open window. Demaria, of course, said Sam. Let's send her to the crooked man and see what she can overhear, said Zav. Sophie bent to whisper in her parrot's ear. Demaria cocked her head, blinked, gave Sophie a quick nuzzle with her beak and promptly flew off the way she'd come. Will she be okay? put in Zelly rather nervously. You know, after what the book said about the parrots of Flambeau being targeted. Don't worry, said Sophie. Demaria has never yet been spotted by a pirate. Yes, she's just a bit cleverer than those rum-swigging idiots, added Sam, making everyone laugh. Just as they were scraping their plates clean of Molly's delicious crab and shrimp special, Demaria flew back through the pub window. Perfect timing, cried Sophie, stroking her bird's feathers gently, to still the beating heart of the parrot, whose little chest was heaving with excitement. Pirates! Count Zuto Contuti found charts of lagoons to the north! reported Demaria, almost breathless in her haste to impart the information. The Count Zuto we saw at the palace, said Zav. The House of Contuti are definitely involved. Ouch! Demaria had nipped him on the shoulder. She hadn't finished delivering her news. Pirate's password. The ransom is paid, she squawked, and promptly collapsed on Sophie's shoulder. Fantastic work, Demaria, said Sophie, ruffling her parrot's feathers and holding up a saucer of water for her exhausted bird to sip at. Hmm, so it looks like the stolen cargo could be hidden to the north if the pirates have those charts of the lagoons, said Sam in a grave tone. It's the only place they'd be able to hide undetected. Strange that they've been able to find maps when Pa says that whole area is uncharted, frowned Milo thoughtfully. Heads buzzing with this new information and what it might mean, the children headed back to the lucky star. 
Just then, another parrot sped towards them. Anna, cried Zelly. Bad news, Anna cried, flopping onto Zelly's shoulder. What? Stolen cargo. The power packs, the little bird replied. No moving way. The children froze. It was just as they'd suspected. The stolen cargo was the power packs for the moving way. And without them, it simply wouldn't work. More dangerous still was the fact that new technology had been stolen. Apparently, the ship carrying the cargo had simply disappeared. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? asked Zelly. It's just like Hector's description of that pirate ship, the Black Vulture. The cargo's been stolen by the Black Cross gang and hidden. Poor Pa, cried Zav. There's only one thing for it, declared Zelly. To save Sandlandia and Pa's reputation, we must find the den where they've hidden them. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more adventures in Chapter 8, Smuggler's Creek. Want to read along? Super Sleuth's book one, The Pirate's Plunder, is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Why not rate our podcast? See you next time.